It's TechBiter Worldwide for the week of November 2nd, 2008. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. You know, the creeps who want your money keep an eye on the news. They're not stupid. They know which banks are in trouble. They know which banks have acquired other banks. And they blast out spams telling you that, oh, for example, you have only 48 hours to confirm your identity. Well, after that, what are they going to do? Confiscate your money? Needless to say, I received one of these bogus messages. And perhaps needless to say, I didn't bite. But I did take a look around. And what I found was a lot of bad news. The message that arrived said, Wachovia Corporation Notice. Pretty good clue right there. I don't have an account with Wachovia. But what the heck? Citigroup announced a buyout of Wachovia, brokered by the FDIC moments ago. All Wachovia bank locations will be in the Citigroup merger to prevent failure of Wachovia. The Citigroup Wachovia would focus on upgrading banks' security certificates. All Wachovia customers must fill the forms and complete installation of the new Citigroup standard digital signatures during 48 hours. Please follow the installation steps below. Read more here. And there was a very long link. The message claimed to be from Jonas Womack, copyright 2008, Wachovia Corporation, all rights reserved. All right, moments ago, well, that's something that a breathless reporter from the mainstream media might utter. It's not exactly banker talk. I was impressed, though, they got an apostrophe in the right place when they wanted to form the plural possessive of banks. This spammer actually put the apostrophe after the S. But then there's that 48-hour deadline. Would any bank enforce a 48-hour deadline? And if so, how? What would they do? Well, here's the link. It's a very long link. HTTP colon slash slash. Okay, we're so far so good. Commercial dot Wachovia dot Online dot financial dot service dot session dot okay it gets a little strange here m b o e one w e f b o dot member verify dot self service dot erontre dot com forward slash support dot htm forward slash security challenge forward slash servlet login forward slash osl dot htm question mark lob equals eight five three six six one four zero five ampersand refer equals rr eight m m b o e one w so you think that goes to Wachovia online not exactly. It goes to a domain called eruntre.com. Well, eruntre.com claims to be registered to someone who lives in Bow, Pennsylvania. Bow, Pennsylvania? 
Also claims to have a Greensboro, North Carolina phone number and zip code. I tried to visit the website. Root found that access is forbidden. That's, as you might suspect, not a very good sign. After viewing the page with Sam Spade and determining exactly what it would try to do to my computer, I put up the appropriate shields and tried to load the page. What it tried to do was run an executable program. Firefox and AVG antivirus kept the trap from being sprung. So if you receive something from your bank, something that claims to be from your bank, wants you to download something, don't. How about a little election news? Ah, Relax, relax, relax. This isn't political. It's mainly a tip of the hat to the Franklin County Board of Elections. By way of truth in reporting, I do work for the Board of Elections one day per year every two years or so. On Tuesday, those who haven't yet voted at VETS or who haven't yet voted an absentee ballot will have the opportunity to vote in one of 854 precincts in Franklin County at 534 polling locations. I'll be the location manager at one of them. Last weekend, I spent a little over four hours at a training refresher program. This weekend, I'll be picking up some supplies and then I'll spend another hour or two at a hands-on session. Tuesday begins with setup starting between 05 and 5.30 a.m., opening the polls around 6.30, hoping that nothing serious goes wrong during the day, closing the polls, and with luck we'll do that at 7.30, and then going with another election judge from the other major political party on a road trip to the Board of Elections warehouse with the day's records. This year, you have a choice of voting on a touch-screen machine or filling out a paper ballot. If you vote a paper ballot, remember to check the back of the paper ballot to print it on both sides. And please, do your research on the issues before you get to the polls. Although 15 to 20 percent of Franklin County voters will have voted early or absentee by Tuesday, we could still see half a million voters at the polls. And if you take 15 to 20 minutes to fill out your ballot, that's going to create a backlog. You'll also be able to speed the process if you have a current Ohio driver's license that shows your current address. If the address doesn't match what's in the voting roster, but you're in the right precinct based on your current address, you won't have any trouble voting. And if you've heard, you'll be subject to arrest if you show up to vote and there's an outstanding traffic ticket or even an arrest warrant for you. Forget it. Poll workers don't arrest people. Bullies have better things to do than stand around polling places waiting for the crook who has a serious interest in voting. I've been doing this for several years now, and I continue to be impressed by both the volunteers and the paid staff from the Board of Elections. Yes, it's true that poll workers are paid, but the pay is really so low you might as well consider it volunteer work. So go as early as you can, be prepared for delays, and vote. Windows 7. I'm finding it increasingly hard to wait. Vista is pretty. And I really do like some of the features of Vista. But Vista turns even a fast machine into a bowl of half-frozen bacon grease. 
After more than a year of working with Vista, I would seriously consider ripping it off the machine and going back to XP if the process wouldn't take so long. So, I'm ready for Windows 7, even though Microsoft isn't. They're still working on milestone releases. No sign yet of even an early release candidate. But Microsoft is showing the current milestone release around. According to postmortems that have emerged from Microsoft, development of Vista was somewhat haphazard with communications problems between teams. This time around, Microsoft says it's gotten that part right, and that's good news. Microsoft has spent a lot of money trying to retrofit improvements into Vista. For Windows 7, these retrofit improvements are the starting point. That alone should help immensely. Despite the quirks, Vista has some user interface features that I really do like. These will be retained and improved in Windows 7. Despite its quirks, Vista has some user interface features that I really do like. These will be retained and improved on in Windows 7. One feature of Vista... (laughs) Feature? One feature of Vista that almost nobody likes is user access control, those annoying pop-ups that ask if you really want to continue doing something. Most people think the only options are on or off. That's really not true, even under Vista, but the settings aren't as granular as they should be. Windows 7, according to Microsoft, will improve on that part of the interface, too. It's still far too early to count on any specific features for Windows 7, but it is not too early to dream about a really workable operating system. For Microsoft, this could be the last chance to get it right. Vista's problems, both those that are real and those that are perceived, have already chased away some users to Apple or Linux machines. Microsoft doesn't need that trend to continue. And speaking of trends in early news, I've been wondering which newspaper will go Internet-only first. That's a question that's been rolling around in my head for quite a while. Well, now we know. It's the Christian Science Monitor. As of April 2009, the paper will halt its print edition, except for a once-weekly paper, perhaps called a magazine. Daily content will appear only on the paper's website, csmonitor.com, and via email. Now, in hindsight, I probably should have figured this out a long time ago. The Christian Science Monitor is a national newspaper, or perhaps an international newspaper, so delivery is probably the paper's largest expense. The Wall Street Journal might be expected to fall next, except that it does have a strong local circulation in New York City. Judy Wolf, the chairman of the Board of Trustees of the Christian Science Publishing Society, says the newspaper will take advantage of the Internet in order to deliver the Monitor's journalism more quickly, to improve the Monitor's timeliness and relevance, and to increase revenues and reduce costs. We can do this, she says, by changing the way the Monitor reaches its readers. Circulation for the Christian Science Monitor has been dropping slowly for the past four decades, Wolf says the Monitor's web readership clearly shows promise, though. 
The newspaper will be 100 years old as of November 25th. Wolf says eliminating the print version will also eliminate the major production and distribution costs. The Monitor's website currently attracts about 1.5 million visitors per month. Reducing costs, newspaper executives say, will allow the newspaper to maintain its current level of international and domestic coverage. It's a small newspaper, but it has bureaus around the globe and a strong presence in Washington. That doesn't mean all jobs are safe, though. Editor John Yama says there will be a small reduction in the paper's 95-person editorial staff. The electronic version will be subscription-based. It will be sent by email as a PDF document. Cost? Not yet determined. In announcing the change, the Christian Science Monitor quoted New York Times publisher Arthur Salzberger, Jr., who expressed some doubt that the New York Times would be a print production in 2018, just 10 years from now. Salzberger said the heart of the answer must be that we can't care. We must be where people want us for our information. Well, we know who's first. Now the question is, who's second? A week ago, Microsoft released an emergency out-of-cycle patch that I talked about in last week's program. It was designed to protect users from a Trojan horse. Your computer probably has already been updated. If not, you need to check to make sure that you have applied patch number 958644. Microsoft's Security Response Center blog carries discussions about attempts to exploit this particular security hole. So clearly the bad guys are working to develop a way to take advantage of machines that haven't yet been patched. Big surprise, that's a normal process. As soon as Microsoft announces something, all the bad guys start trying to figure out how to exploit that particular problem because they know that some people won't bother to get their machines patched. Remember 2003 when the MS Blaster Worm appeared? It was absolutely devastating for those who had failed to heed warnings about patching their systems. So when you patch your system to take care of this problem, yes, you'll have to restart the system. That's because the file that will be patched is netapi32.dll, and that particular API is used by many Windows processes. It's simply not possible to halt all of them during the update. Therefore, a reboot is required. The time to make sure your computer's operating system is up to date is, yep, right now. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. This has been TechBiter Worldwide for the week of November 2nd, 2008. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.